CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Hey there, how are you? Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, I am happy you are with us. The show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport culture and recreation groups. The World Cup of Soccer is captivating a lot of people. I'm trying to get into it. It's kind of like baseball for me. I'm really trying. I do get into playoff baseball, even more so this year than my Padres were around. Usually baseball season ends in May for me. I'll get excited for Canada, I guess, tomorrow when they take on the um, Belgians in uh, their first game. Now, there was an upset today, big upset, as it was uh, Saudi Arabia. Like, they knocked off Argentina and Lionel Messi 2-1. to one. I don't know if you would have put money, what you would have won if you would have put money down on Saudi Arabia, but they've declared it a national holiday tomorrow. That's how big soccer is. They just, you know what? We have to go through all these referendums and votes on it. They just said, nope. National holiday. Like, people are throwing lamps and ripping doors off in their house. They're so pumped. Big, big win. Also in soccer news, Ronaldo is done at uh, Manchester United. He's over playing for Portugal right now in his fifth World Cup. The 37-year-old was on Piers Morgan and ripped the team management and the younger players. So they mutually agreed to part ways. So he is... A free agent now, so to speak. He's kind of a fringe player this year. Refused to come off the bench as a substitution in one of their games. Was banished, but then brought back, but then did the interview. And now he is mutually terminated, mutually parting ways, effective immediately with uh, Manchester United. All right, that's about as exciting as I excited as I get for soccer. Uh, there were some other games today besides uh, that one I talked about. It was Tunisia and Denmark. Playing to a nil-nil tie. Mexico and Poland play to a nil-nil tie. No wonder they drink and blow stuff up in soccer. And France over uh, Australia, 4-1. to one. Same reason why people drink beer, eat hot dogs, and stare at their phones in Major League Baseball. So I get it. Uh, Buffalo's at Montreal in the NHL. The Rangers are at the Kings. Leafs plays defenseman and former Moose Jaw Warrior Morgan Riley on injured reserve. Long t- a long-term injured reserve with the knee injury. Oilers goalie Jack Campbell signed that five-year, $25 million deal in the offseason. He's been off to a horrible start. Can't get on the ice now. He's the backup to former Swift Kern Broncos Stuart Skinner. He's not even safe on the bench. Oilers lost yesterday to the Devils 5-2. Devils are on a heater. The young kids like Nick Katchmar, my producer, call it a wagon. They're a wagon right now. 13 in a row. Anyway, Campbell sitting on the bench, took a deflection in the face, had to go to the locker room and get sewn up. Not sure if he broke his nose or not, but he did require stitches. And if you're into the other football, you can watch tonight Canadian quarterback Curtis Rourke and his Ohio team trying to uh, clinch a spot in the MAC title game with a win over the Falcons. Ohio's 8-3, and three, and um, Bowling Green Falcons are 6-5. and five. Now Rourke, the brother of BC Lions star quarterback Nathan Rourke, suffered a knee injury in the second quarter of their last game against Ball State, and he is a question mark going into this one. So tune in, see if he plays, and if he does, I guess you'll be pretty pumped. All right, like I said, the show brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. And you can always text us to weigh in on the show on the topics of the day 
here's my question for you. Are you into soccer? I'd like to know. Are you in to what they call the beautiful game? They, I, I don't know why they call it the beautiful game. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm a soccer expert, but they call it the beautiful game. I guess because this happens once every four years, it is a big deal, no doubt about it. I just, I am having a tough time getting into it. I'll try because I'm supposed to be the sports guy around here. But are you into soccer? 936-6262. It's our text line powered by Capital Ford Lincoln. That's also the number to call locally if you want to weigh in on anything via phone. Ballsy, I miss you on the, I miss you on the call-in show talking back and forth. Well, you can call me every day. The phone lines are open. Yes, we have lots of guests, but we do like to talk to you too because listeners are the star of the show. We call them the Sports Cage shareholders. So, locally, 936-6262. Toll-free, 1-866-767-0620. Oh, looky there. The phone lines are ringing. All right, I haven't talked to this guy in a while. Let's head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. Say hi to our buddy Dennis Gore in Buffalo, New York. He did come up for a game, the Riders and uh, Hamilton. Unfortunately, that was uh, a loss for the Riders. Now, Dennis, before we get the CFL talk, how much snow did you get where you're living in the Buffalo area? How much snow? A lot. Uh the official uh, count was 77 inches. Now, don't ask me what that is in metric, but I'm six feet tall exactly. That's 72 inches, so, you know, add on to that. It was uh, pretty intense. Now, luckily, where I live in Tonawanda, New York, which is about 6.2 miles north of Buffalo, well, for you Canadians, that's 10 kilometers. Um, we only got about three feet, so we... We got kind of lucky where I'm at, but yeah, it was <laughs> it was something. Did it <laughs> and show- you know what? That's not the worst storm we had. <laughs> really? But yeah. What? Yeah. Well, I'm 57 years old, and I remember the famous blizzard of 1977. That was the worst uh, storm Buffalo's had, or at least in my lifetime. That really paralyzed us for like two weeks. Uh, that was really quite a storm, and everyone here in Western New York remembers that one. So, so, so yeah, we had a lot of snow. So were you were you stuck in your home for a couple of days? How do you even three feet's a lot? How did you get? Do you have a snowblower? I hope so. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I got a, yeah. Definitely have a snowblower. Um, we did have a travel ban for a day, so uh, where I was, um, I was only uh, trapped for a day. But when you go down to where Buffalo is specifically and going south, they were uh, they were under a ban for three days. Wow. So so, so, so did you have to? Yeah. Did, did you stock up like all your booze and food and everything? I saw one guy said he was mad. He said I got the snow clear, but I didn't stock up with my booze and weed. He said that was my fault. <laughs> yeah, we knew about it ahead of time, and yeah, I definitely uh, stocked up. Uh, ahead of time, so I was good. So. Okay, Dennis, what's your comfort food? If you're stuck in the house watching nothing but football, your Bills who played in Detroit, what's your what's your comfort food, Dennis? Uh, soup and pizza. Soup. For, I'll even I'll even take soup and pizza. I'll take frozen pizza if I have to. Okay, so what? <laughs> okay, so give me the pizza. What's your pizza choice? Uh, well. Well, if we can't order it, I'll just get a DiGiorno. A DiGiorno. And what about soup? Is it homemade soup or what is it? A can or what? No, it's, you know, Campbell's chicken noodle. You know, nothing exciting, but. (laughs) Heart attack in a can. All that salt and cheese. I love it. Typical Buffalo guy. Uh, And Ryder Ryder fan. So what are you making of our team? What's got to be done to get us to the Grey Cup? Oh. 
Oh, man, I think we got to, um, well, maybe if Bo Levi Mitchell's available for next year, if we can upgrade the quarterback, um, if we can get upgrade the um, offensive line. You know, we haven't had a monster like uh, um, Chris Best or back when I was watching him in the A's, we had, we had Roger Aldag. You know, we, we you know, Brendan Lambert hasn't played since the COVID era um, began. So if we can just get our offensive line going, and, uh, you know, upgrade on the quarterback, I think we'll be okay. And then we can just get to the playoffs, and then anything can happen then. Yeah, you got to be happy. Eh? This was the best. I know you you didn't watch because you were busy working, and you probably couldn't stomach watching because yeah. we, we both don't like Toronto yeah. or Winnipeg. But I'll tell you what, wasn't it great? Winnipeg comes here, spends all their money, and loses the Grey Cup. Like, I couldn't stand seeing them celebrate in our dressing room. Right. Exactly. You know, um, I've always hated Winnipeg, one of my most hated teams. So it was a slightly lesser evil to have Toronto win. They're not my, I don't like Toronto sports anything because, you know, being from the Buffalo area, I've gone to Davis games at Toronto and like the games that are in Buffalo, the Toronto fans invade and they're, 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 they are loud and mouthy. So if, so in most cases, I don't really like to have Toronto win but you know but Winnipeg I hate so much <laughs> that you know I was you know I knew I loved I knew I loved you I, I knew I loved you for a reason. I met you uh, personally <laughs> the first time at Grey Cup 101 here in 2013. So uh you did come up for a Ryder Hamilton Tiger Cat game. You do know the Grey Cup is in 2023 in Hamilton again. Are you going to go to that game or be up there for the festivities at all? Yeah, I think I will since it's close by. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and if the riders are there, that'd be even better. That'd be, that'd be great. But, but Great Cup 101 was awesome, and I want to tell the fans in Regina, you know, that you welcomed me so nicely and you, you treated me so well. And people in Regina, you're in my heart. You guys, are, you guys are great. Well, you're great too, Dennis. Happy Thanksgiving to you, my friend. Oh, thank you very much, Ballsy, and congratulations on your first year of. Uh, Radio play-by-play. I listened all year. You and Luke had great chemistry, and you did a great job. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. We'll check in with you later. Uh, Try not to be buried too much there, okay? (laughs) Okay. Okay, no problem, bud. All right, let's keep things going here. We got some phone calls to start the show. Had Dennis on. Now let's go to uh, Ryan. Ryan from Moose Jaw. I'm going to tell you something. This guy here, uh, it was one of the highlights of my Grey Cup weekend. I got a chance to uh, break some bread with Ryan and his girlfriend, Tanya, over at the Canadian Brew House. That was a good time. Well, thanks. Highlight of the one of the highlights of the Grey Cup week, eh? Yeah, it was great, man. I had a great time. I just love talking uh, to to fans. Went over and said hi to Val and their group over there in from Estevan for the Grey Cup. Ryan, what did you think of the uh, Grey Cup uh, weekend? Uh, overall, I thought it was a pretty good experience. Uh, they had lots of stuff going on for the kids and stuff. The girlfriend and I came in Saturday afternoon, took part of some of the Grey Cup. Uh, festival street festival and took part in some of the stuff in confederation park and moseyed on into the event plex and uh checked out uh, some of the team rooms and uh a lot going on and looks like they had uh, a pretty good turnout for it for the most part yeah it was a cool setup too didn't you agree with uh you know i love the way the two buildings joined together looked like you're going into like a mine shaft or a tunnel and they had uh, the digital zone and i love the fact that everything was under one roof except for spirit of edmonton which is over at the connexus art center yeah i i actually really liked how they had it set up everything was in the 
same area, not like previous years where it's been kind of split up and stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I would have liked to have taken uh, more of a look at that, uh, gaming experience or the, the tournament that they had going on there. Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely what I would have done too, Ryan. You know, here's the, uh, here's the other thing though. The, the, the troubling thing for me, and maybe troubling's too strong of a word, Ryan, but I didn't see a lot of young faces. Maybe it would have seen younger faces over there at that area you talked about, but I didn't see as, you know, it seems like you see the same people, the same people I saw in, in uh, 2013, kind of the same people I saw this year. The league needs to find a way to get new fans. And in fairness, they tried here with this video game stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I know, you know, our kids, uh, we, we integrated at a pretty young age. And uh, it's they're finding it tougher and tougher to find ways to integrate it. To integrate it, I guess. But uh, I um, other leagues do so well through their video games and stuff. And the the league just has to try and find uh, better ways, like that uh, gaming tournament, to bring some of the younger folks in. I know myself, I uh, enjoy playing that uh, Madden video game. So I would have liked to have seen maybe a little bit more uh, along those lines to spend a little more time in there. If I didn't have the girlfriend, uh, she probably wouldn't have wanted to uh, stick around the video gaming area too much to watch, but I uh, I would have enjoyed that to watch some of these uh, kids go at it because I know I like to go at it with some people on there as well. Yeah, a lot of people have talked about video games, and maybe that's the next evolution, but there's got to be a supply and demand thing in order to uh, create a mass video game. I know uh, our buddy uh, Nelson Hakowicz, who's a big-time Ryder fan, he's uh, behind the scenes of that computer stuff, and he kind of did a mock video game once just for fun, uh, but it would be nice to have something uh, like Madden where we could uh, get that next generation of fans. Hey, were you pretty happy with the outcome? You and I talked on Saturday with all the Bomber fans around us. We said, best case scenario Toronto wins Winnipeg spends all the money yeah no uh, I can't say that I like I'm I'm pretty happy with how the outcome came I I couldn't uh, I don't know if I could have bared to see uh, Winnipeg win a great cup in our own uh, stadium so I'm happy about that it seemed like they were uh, a little too joyous to be in uh, our locker room maybe and uh, who knows maybe the Karma kind of maybe bit them a little bit there. Who knows? Yeah, for running up the score a couple of times, and especially, uh, uh, what was it, the Banjo Bowl where they smoked us. Uh, Okay, so Ryan, uh, you went to the game. A lot of Ryder fans uh, sold their tickets or didn't go to the game. Were you disappointed with the crowd? Or I thought it looked good on TV. Uh, I know the concourses are wider. A lot of people like the stand. (laughs) Speaking of young people, they don't watch the game like we watched the game growing up. Yeah, no, I, you know, the game, I enjoyed the game. Uh, I thought it was a good game. I thought it started out, you know, a little slow. But uh, in the second half there, she sure uh, picked up and got to be a pretty entertaining game. Uh, as for, like, Ryder fans, I mean, yeah, there was a few empty seats there, unfortunately. But, you know, everyone's, after 2013, you know, everyone getting so spoiled with uh, what went on that year that uh, they almost take it for granted that there's a great cup in our own barn and, they should take advantage of it. I know it was Tanya's first great cup that she's ever been to. And what did she, she, what did she think? You know, well, she, she thought it was awesome. She's just like, you know, trying to take in the whole experience. And it was, uh, you know, everything about it was actually done quite well. Just, uh, like you say, the, you know, a few empty seats looked good on TV, however, but, uh, it would have been nice to see a few more, uh, fan support. 
Yeah, for sure. So, Ryan, uh, lastly, what do you want to see from your team in the off season? Because the football season never ends in Saskatchewan, and we got a lot of work to do if we want to get to that championship game uh, first and on a consistent basis. So, uh, what would you like to see from your team? Yeah, I've been thinking about this, and it's, I, I find it tough. Uh, I mean, first and foremost, I would like to see us. Uh, I'd like to see us try and fix our O line. Having said that, I mean, I get it. There's some young guys on there, and they. They want to see them grow a little bit, but, you know, there's a fine line of letting them grow and feeding them to the wolves, and who knows, maybe you uh, shock their confidence or you you end up ruining them before they become a star or whatnot. Uh, but I would like to see what happens with the O-line, and then, you know, I, I don't know all these rumors about Bo Levi coming here. Who knows? Maybe that would be a good thing, but first and foremost, I think they need to find something to do to get that O-line fixed and uh, hopefully because they can turn it around. Any team can turn it around in one year. So yeah, it doesn't matter what your year was before. That's for sure. Hey, when I was sitting with you, you were wearing a number seven jersey. Are you uh, are you hopeful Cody comes back? Do you think he's coming back? And if he doesn't come back, what do you think of his time here in Saskatchewan? Yeah, you know, I, I'm a Cody supporter. I like uh, Fajardo and... Uh, I would like to see him come back, but, uh, you know, <laughs> after some of the comments he said, like two or three weeks of remaining in the season, who knows what's going to happen there. But I, I don't know. I honestly think if, uh, they were to do something with our O line, they could, uh, you know, he, he could have a little bit of time to do some things again. Cause I don't, if you get Bo Levi behind that O line, you know, I think, I don't even think Colorado's would have made it through the season with our O line. No disrespect to our O line; they're all, you know, guys and stuff. But uh, no disrespect to them. But I just don't think uh, Colorado's would have even last. I think uh, he would have ended up getting injured. Like that's one thing I'll give with Cody is he he seems like he's a pretty tough character. And you know, if Bo Levi gets behind center, I don't know if he could take the beating that uh, they took this past year. All good words from you, Ryan. Thanks for listening, and uh, be sure to call it again sometime, okay? Oh, geez, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Third down and five. Garoppolo pulls it down. End zone. What a throw and catch. Touchdown, IU. Third down and three. Garoppolo will float it. He's got Kittle. And Kittle is gone for the touchdown. With Las Vegas, second and ten. Blitz off the edge. Ayuk has got his second. Touchdown 49ers. On both sides of the ball, but stands out. Here's Kittle. George Kittle. Touchdown 49ers. You know, we say Cody's done with the Riders, but then I look at Jimmy G and I'm like, who who knows? Because this is a guy that was rehabbing his shoulder in training camp. They were expecting him to get traded. It got leaked out that he they were looking to trade him. Some teams were interested. Everything fell through. This guy wasn't given a playbook in training camp. He is 40 and 19 when playing. And his team is 9-29 and when he isn't playing. He's been to a Super Bowl, been to the NFC Championship game last year, just a whisker away from winning it with the 49ers against the Rams. He outdueled Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field in the playoffs. We call him Big Game Jimmy around here. Uh, but this is a reason why Nathan Rourke has a great shot at sticking at least as a number two in the NFL. Like I said, Jimmy G written off. 
Now, I just went through the teams. Here are the teams that I think would be where if Jimmy G went there, Garoppolo, he would be an upgrade for these these teams in their quarterback situation. The Jets, the Giants, the Texans, the Commanders, the Falcons, the Panthers, probably the Colts, the Patriots, and the Steelers, even though they got uh, Kenny Pickett. Right there, that's two, four, six, eight, nine teams at least where if Jimmy G went there, you could make a case that it's an immediate upgrade over what they got right now. He had four touchdowns last night as his 49ers beat the Cardinals 38-10. to He is our clutch performer, brought to you by Nick's Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer call 781-1077. Speaking of clutch performers, let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline and talk to the Grey Cup champion, Josh Haggerty. That has a nice ring to it, doesn't it, Josh? Yeah, it sounds pretty good. I'm liking how that's sounding already. Yeah. Have you sobered up yet, or are you still hung over? What's the deal? Uh, yeah, we're going pretty hard since the end of the game, so it, yeah, it's going to be a fun rest of the week. That's good, man. So is it bittersweet because you didn't play? You had a foot injury, right? Am I correct when I say that? Yeah, I had, a, I, I think, like a bone bruise or ligament issue in my foot uh, that I suffered in the last regular season game against Montreal, and yeah, unfortunately, it just wasn't ready to go for the Great Cup. So, yeah, I was, I was pretty heartbroken that I was able, wasn't able to play, but obviously super happy with the outcome of the game. Yeah, so at any point where you – okay, so when Winnipeg blocks your, blocks your field goal, okay, you're, what are you thinking there when they blocked your field goal? Uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty crazy. Like, I really didn't see that coming and stuff, but I knew we still had the lead, and with two minutes left, I, I knew our defense still had a pretty good chance of stopping them, so – I wasn't too concerned at that point yet, but that was definitely a crazy point. Yeah, but okay, but come on, man. Robbie Smith <laughs> gets a face-masking penalty. We've all watched the Bombers escape game after game. You had to be on the sidelines, like your head coach said after the game, going, oh, man, what are we doing? That could be our season. Yeah, I was pretty gutted after that call, honestly. Like, it talk about highs and lows during that play. Like, you know, you're elated because we get a sack on third and 15, and it, 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 it's virtually game over, and then to get a face passing call and give him a first down and then they eventually convert that into like a 20 yard pass or so right into field goal range that was uh yeah it was definitely a tough way to deal with but i'm glad he got redemption on the block field goal so who are you standing beside what were you doing when legio lined up for the potential game-winning field goal that you guys blocked robbie smith once again redeeming himself yeah, I honestly can't even remember, honestly. Like, that's too surreal of a moment. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I was probably beside either Juwan Breskison or Dylan Giffen or Eric Rogers or Tiggy Sanko or one of the other guys on the team. But, uh, no, that was, that was an amazing feeling. Just did, seeing that thing blocked and just knowing what that meant was unbelievable. Did you watch it? Because your coach said he was uh, he couldn't look. <laughs> no, yeah, we watched it. We had we had to stay in because we knew like like yo, there's a good chance that he could miss it and stuff. So we we had to watch that. We just I don't know. We had a good feeling the whole time that he was going to miss it or something. What does it mean to be able to celebrate with your mom Tammy and your dad uh, uh, Jeff and uh, you know the rest of your family and friends there? Oh, it was amazing. You know, they were able to come down on the field immediately and, and celebrate with us. Um, that meant the world to me, you know, to be able to see them and, and hug them and, and just take that moment in with them was 
there's a moment I'll never forget and stuff, and it is unreal. You I'm, got you got to pinch glad. you got to pinch yourself. Like I said earlier, you could be playing for the Vanier Cup this week, and that would have been great. <laughs> but you're a great Cup champion. Think about that. Two years ago, when yeah. you went to camp to the with the Argos, you 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 told me initially you thought, oh, I'll be a camp body, I'll be here for a couple of weeks, and look how it's worked out. That goes to show you anything can happen. Yeah, for real. You know, like I came into camp just thinking I was going to go back and play my fourth year Huskies. And, uh, you know, sure enough, they, they loved how I played and stuff. And I was able to pull that whole year and then play this whole season too and, and be a big contributor on the team. So, you know, I'm so, I'm so grateful for this. You know, I'm, I'm really rooting for my guys on Saturday. I'm going to be at the game on London, uh, cheering them on. And uh, I'm just glad to be a great cup champ. And uh, hopefully they can be a Van A cup champ at the end of this week and we can celebrate together. That's what I was going to say. So we get to hang out with them much before the game? Uh, no, I'll probably, I'll probably leave them alone, let, the, let them get focused and stuff uh, before the game. I won't want to distract them. But I'm, I'm going to try and see them at some point during the game or, or at least right after. Because, um, yeah, I, I know they'll get it done and they'll come out with a ring on the top of that. Can you imagine uh, having two big celebrations like that? Your liver won't be able to take it. Hags. No, I know. I, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's set in the realization of that yet, but it, it's going to be amazing. Uh, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for them. I want them to experience what I've got to experience the last couple of days. Yeah. Um, how about uh, your boy, Nias? He could win the heck Crichton, too. Yeah. Honestly, I think uh, he's, he's shown that he's been the best player in this league all season, uh, game in and game out. Even though the tight game last week, he, he's still caught on an absolute show. And uh, I think he's going to show that he is the deserving head Crichton this week in the Vanier. And I really, really hope he comes away with that, both those awards. Hey, uh, I got a text from John. John says, one of the main reasons I was so happy to see the Argos win is because of pinball. He's such a great ambassador for the CFL. And I don't think he ages either. What does pinball mean to your team? Oh, pinball is amazing. He's, he's the heart and soul of this team, truly. Um, just the, his, his presence being around the guys and around the team every day. You know, he's in there in meetings. He's in there in the locker room having conversations with guy, uh, being really personal, being a great guy. And uh, his motivational speeches, too, go a long way with us. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's amazing. He's really the heart and soul of this team. Hey, what do you got left for a contract? Are you a free agent now, or how does that work? Uh, no, I'm going into my option year this year. So then it's, uh, the team can take my option, and then uh, I'd have one more year on my contract. And okay. then I'd become a free agent after next season. Okay, man. So... Um... Uh, before I let you go, two more things. You got your big celebration Thursday at Maple Leaf Square, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So I think we'll be taking a bus around downtown Toronto and then end up at, uh, I guess, Jurassic Park, as they call it. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll be celebrating with all the fans there. Uh, should be an awesome day. It's awesome. And then we should be at the Raptors game tomorrow, too, celebrating at halftime. Did you go to the Leafs game yesterday with Mwamba's? He brought the trophy in there? <laughs> uh, I wasn't there personally. Uh, I think it was just him, maybe a couple other guys. But, uh, no, that was an awesome standing uh, ovation from the crowd, too, for that. And what an inspiration he is. Uh, talk, about, yeah. uh, talk about being a symbol of perseverance. There's a guy that persevered. Yeah, seriously, I'm, I'm super happy for him. There's no one more deserving. You know, he works so hard, and he's such a great leader. And, uh, yeah, he, he deserves it all. I'm super, super happy for him. My last question to you, uh, there's people listening here, saw you come up through the ranks, uh, you know, uh, through RMF, through Campbell, went to the U of S, now you're a Grey Cup champ, uh, winning in our own game, the Canadian Football League. What kind of message do you have for the next Josh Haggerty? Yeah, you know, honestly, just believe you can do it. Like, why not? 
you know, I was that kid that I, I didn't see any CFL players that I had ever known come from Saskatchewan or Canada, even for that matter. So I didn't really think it was possible. And I want you guys, all the young football players out there, to believe that you can do it too. Because um, I, I, I could do it, you know. Like, I played I played high school in Regina. I went up to University of Saskatchewan. And then I've been playing for the last two years for the Argos. And I won a great cup. So uh, all you kids listening out there, like, you can do it too. Just keep working hard. Listen to your coaches and parents. And just, yeah, be all that you can be and trust it. All right, man. Thanks for your time. Congratulations, Josh. Proud of you. And enjoy uh, the weekend uh, partying there and hopefully watching your former team win a championship. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. That's Josh Haggerty, Grey Cup champ from Regina. Won it here on home turf. You can't write a script like that. The only thing that would have been better was uh, overcoming that injury to be dressed. But you can't have everything, I guess. But he <laughs> lifted the trophy and drank from the trophy. Those are the best trophies, the trophies you can drink from. Chris Cuthbert coming up next in the Sports Cage on 620. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And the show is brought to you on this Tuesday by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Let's get right on the Western Pizza Hotline. Speak with Sportsnet's Chris Cuthbert. Thanks for taking my call. Chris, how are you today? I'm good, Michael. Good to be with you. Yeah, and it's nice to uh, hear your voice after listening to it last night with that uh, Toronto Maple Leafs lost 3-2 in overtime. Hey, how do you like three-on-three overtime? Well, I, I I like it a whole lot better than the Maple Leafs, who uh, I think have lost five now this year, three-on-three. Three. I'm not a big shootout guy. Um, I do like three-on-three, three and uh, uh, some teams like it a lot more than uh, than the Maple Leafs, the way it's been going so far this year. Yeah, you know what, CeCe? I'd go with that, too. I like three-on-three. Three. In fact, I like to see them go to like a 10-minute three-on-three, and then if it's tied, it's tied, and I'd even take it a step farther. I know this is sacrilegious. Stanley Cup playoffs, five on five for the first overtime, four on four, and then three on three. You know, I, I've heard that suggestion. I, I still, I'm an, I'm an old guard guy when it comes to the playoffs, uh, and I like your idea about ten minutes to, to decide things. I, I, I'd love to see them scrap the shootout, but um, I, you know what? For a guy that uh, one of my fondest memories is doing the uh, the longest televised game in in history, the the Flyers and the Penguins uh, back in mm-hmm. 2000, 99, 2000, uh, and that went 92-0. One and uh, it was it was just kind of epic. It was uh, you know what that night uh, maybe in the fourth overtime period I, I would have started to consider four on four or, or three on three. But uh, the memories of uh, of epic games like that uh, kind of make me want to just stick with what we've got. Chris, where was the bathroom in correlation to the play-by-play booth? Because you know I I did a game rider game in Calgary this year and. They only have two bathrooms on the press box level there at McMahon Stadium, and I think some of the Sky Suite people go there too. And when I'm talking bathrooms, you know what I'm talking about, one toilet in each bathroom. That's it. What was it like for you in that epic game? 
Well, it wasn't bad there, but I, I will tell you there's a four-overtime game in Dallas, and uh, because we were on a suite level, it was it was tough to use the facilities, and sooner or later you have to, and, and I would go downstairs into the media area, uh, and uh, what happened that night is uh, before the fourth overtime period, uh, I guess they were getting anxious to close up because it was one in the morning or whatever, and, uh, and they locked up the the stairwell that i i took and then it was uh it was tough getting the elevator back and i remember arriving just as the players were kind of lining up for the face-off and my statistician who's now my uh, producer on hockey night in canada looked at me like what the heck were you doing and i'm glad you're back because it would have been me who had to call the fourth overtime period. So stats guys. So uh, yes, uh, for us play-by-play guys, it, it's an important uh, little note. Hey, I watched uh, the Devils beat the Oilers yesterday, five to two. Then watched the end of your game, but the Devils have won thirteen in a row. They got to be the early season surprise, don't they? Well, they are, and we saw them last week here, and the immediate impression afterwards is, man, they are for real. I mean, when they came in, I thought, wow, they're, they're, they're overdue to get beaten, and I looked at the lineup and thought, you know, uh, it's, it's good. Is it great? I'm not sure, but after watching them, and, and I think a, a lot of people were in the same boat seeing them firsthand uh, uh, for the first time this year, it was it was a wow moment. They are an impressive team, and they're going to win a lot of games this year. It, I mean, this this is going to come to an end sooner or later, but uh, I think legitimately a uh, a playoff team and a team we better start uh, kind of considering in the mix. Chris Cuthbert joining us here for a couple more minutes. Okay, I want to talk about a couple of elite Russian players. Alex Ovechkin, uh, he's uh, closing in on Gretzky's goal-scoring mark. Do you think he's going to get that before it's all said and done? Well, you know, if you asked me that a year or two ago, I would have said no, but he keeps on keeping on, and it's pretty impressive. And the one, the one thing he's got in his favor at this point is, is he's, he's chasing a, a stationary number, and he just can keep playing until he gets there. Um, you know, I wonder you know, how many more goals Wayne Gretzky m- might have scored if, if he knew he needed more. Uh, but with that said, it's pretty impressive that Ovechkin just keeps doing it. Uh, it, it it's, it's a question I think I ask myself every time he, he scores from that same spot is how do they leave him uncovered? He's only scored about <laughs> 600 from the same spot, yeah. uh, but he does and uh, that shot doesn't seem to be uh, getting any less lethal, so uh, yeah, I've, I've changed my mind. I, I think he's going to get there. Ovi was the only player picked ahead of uh, Evgeny Malkin in the 20 uh, or 2004 NHL draft. Now, only 14 NHL players had scored more than Malkin's 1,165 points going into his 1,000th game the other night. Man, what a remarkable career there in uh, Pittsburgh. It is, and there's Stanley Cups too, and and you know maybe he just doesn't get the full appreciation treatment because he plays behind uh, Sidney Crosby. Uh, but we know what Crosby thinks of him, and uh, you know I remember him as a dominant junior, and and in the World Junior Gold Medal game, Team Canada just targeted him left, right, and center, and uh, they they sort of minimized his impact in that game. But uh, man, ever 
since he's gone to the uh, the NHL, he's been almost unstoppable. And uh, well, the only thing that held him back are, are some uh, some serious injuries. But uh, he's uh, he's headed for the Hall of Fame for sure. Chris, is there a sport that you haven't called that you'd like to call? Oh, that's a good question because I've I've pretty well called uh, everything. I think I've called about thirteen, fourteen sports. The one thing I I haven't done and, and won't do is is I I I've called basketball at the Olympics, but I never got to call an NBA game, which would have been cool. I I guess ten years ago I might have told you that uh, I I would have liked to have called an NFL game, but uh, I wouldn't trade an NFL game for a for a CFL game and a Grey Cup. So. Uh, um, pretty happy with uh, with all the opportunities I've had, Chris. You know, in my first year here, I was just uh, listening to different guys, yourself and such. And you mentioned the NFL, so I listened to a bunch of NFL radio guys. And I will tell you this: CFL announcers, and it's not a big revelation, but they have it a lot harder than NFL announcers, don't they? With all the motion, faster uh, play clock, and all that type of thing. I think I think they do. Uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a little more of a stationary game. Uh, it's uh, it's it's on a compacted field as well. So uh, uh, you, you know, I uh, but I do always say that uh, for for all of us, it it beats working for a living. So we're not we're not out there splitting the atom. And yeah. uh, and fortunately for for all of us, that's the case. Yeah, for sure. Chris Cuthbert joining us here. Glenn Suter's a Hall of Famer. I was at the Football Reporters of Canada breakfast when he was honored along with Ed Willis uh, there in Regina at the Doubletree. Uh, did you know right away that you two'd be good together in the booth? Well, I did because uh, you, you know what? Uh, we went back to playoff games uh, for CBC in um, in the mid '90s, and uh, what I found immediately was, uh, you know, first game would be the Western semifinal, and I felt like we'd been working together for a number of years, and uh, so yeah, it was pretty seamless right from the start. And and I've always said that about suits. I don't like comparing uh, any of the color commentators I've worked with, and I've worked with over. Sixty, uh, but the one note about suits that I will say publicly, and I don't think I'm offending anybody else, is that I think he's the only one I've worked with who could do my job as well as I did. He, uh, I, I know he can call play by play as well, and uh, he's just a very gifted, talented broadcaster. And to be honest with you, way overdue to go into the FRC Hall of Fame, and uh, I wondered why it took so long. And then Rod Smith told us on the weekend that this was his 27th year so there's some some nice uh, career symmetry to him waiting till year 27 to go into the hall of fame that's nice that's a great point thanks for bringing that up and before i let you go your thoughts on the great cup i'll tell you what the toronto argonauts kind of a middling team i think their their season really turned around in that halifax game the riders went one way they went the other way but what i love about the cfl chris you, you have a team that has a blocked field goal against them they have more penalties than the bombers they give up the longest punt return in the history of the storied game they have a backup quarterback finish the game and they still win the darn thing yeah, and you know what? I I I shouldn't even bring this up, and and fans are going to be mad at me. But I thought the Robbie Smith face mask penalty was going to be the toughest call uh, against a team since 2009, and I won't mm. go any further. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but 
But, uh, I mean, it was a good call, but uh, he didn't have to face mask. They had Caleros dead to rights. Game would have been over. And then we, we ended up with how many more uh, impactful plays in that game. Uh, classic Grey Cup, uh, one that had me on the edge of my seat. It usually doesn't disappoint, but that one will, will go down in Grey Cup lore. And uh, uh, I, I think it's one of those games that was kind of needed to give the league another uh, booster shot another shot in the arm to to to, uh, to help interest certainly in the Toronto area and I think it, it it got a little bit of attention it's still a a long road here in in Toronto to to resell the game uh but they did have over 20,000 legitimately for the Eastern final and that wasn't even against Hamilton it would have been more if the Ty Cats were here and uh I hope maybe that uh helps uh, uh you know, uh, open some eyes here, especially uh, young young people that don't know anything about the CFL, and and, the, and it really doesn't get much attention media-wise here, but it has in the last uh, 24, 48 hours, which is good, and uh, hopefully that creates a little momentum. Well, Rod Smith does a great job along with Glenn Suter, but I'm not going to lie, I miss Chris Cuthbert in the booth for the uh, big Grey Cup game. Hey, thanks for your help this year, helping me out with the depth charts and everything, and uh, continued success behind the mic uh, for the hockey calls thank you michael and congratulations on on your uh, maiden voyage with the riders and uh, i know there's many great years to come and uh yeah the great kept some pretty good hands with those two guys and uh i uh, i had a pretty good seat on my couch and enjoyed it uh- forever 306 this is saskatchewan's favorite talk show the sports cage on 620 ckrm This is the Sports Cage, and it's brought to you by our good friends over there at Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. You can get a hold of us via our text line brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln, 936-6262. That's also the number to call locally if you want to talk. We had Dennis from Buffalo call us in the toll-free line, 1-866-767-0620. And Ryan Douglas from Moose Jaw called us. They started the show talking about, uh, well, Dennis, about the snow and Buffalo and his thoughts on the Riders and Ryan was in for the Grey Cup. His thoughts on the festivities, the game, his team going forward. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Every once in a while, we like to do something other than sports. We'll call this Tuesday Tidbits. Now, this guy was athletic. Bruce Lee died mysteriously in 1973 at the age of 32. His official cause of death is cerebral edema, which is basically swelling of the brain. But it's still unclear what caused it. Some have thought it was a sensitivity to a painkiller that Bruce had taken before he died. Others say it could have been caused by injuries he sustained. And there are plenty of conspiracy theories too. Now almost 50 years later, some researchers believe the swelling may have been from Bruce drinking too much water. The idea is that he died because of a low concentration of sodium in his blood, which can be caused by too much water or fluid in the body. Now it's very hard to drink enough water to kill you, but it has happened in rare cases during extreme physical activity. Hey, Aaron Judge's 62nd home run of the year is going up for auction. Here's a fun sports cage fact for you. Staring at that ball is actually more fun than watching baseball. (laughs) I'm kidding. Starbucks. Kind of. Starbucks employees across the U.S. are on strike. At least, I think they are. It's hard to tell because their signs are misspelled. When Twitter users were asked if Donald Trump should be reinstated, 52% voted yes. Now, Trump, of course, would have won by a much larger number if dead Democrats weren't allowed to vote twice. 
I'm kidding. America's Turkey Day is Thursday, as is custom. U.S. President Joe Biden pardoned not one but two turkeys on the White House lawn, and he didn't stop there. He also forgave their college student loan debt. Today is National Go for a Ride Day. Needless to say, Go for a Ride Day was conceived before gas hit 156 a liter. Here's a question that became relevant this past weekend when the Grey Cup was in town. What's the maximum amount of time you can stay in someone's home as a guest before it gets annoying? Well, the answer apparently is four days. 49% of people said that's the cutoff. Here's some more stats. Hosting messes with your sleep. The average host loses two and a half hours of sleep a night in the days leading up to to it. Guests don't sleep well either. 75% of us feel like we have to go to bed and wake up at the same time as the hosts. The best house guests are baby boomers. The poll found they're the most likely to be considerate and clean up after themselves. And 7% of people who host hide their valuables when they have guests just to make sure nothing gets stolen. Here are the top passive-aggressive ways to tell a house guest to beat it. Your houseplants must miss you so much. I always wondered what it's like to run a hotel. If I knew you'd be here this long, I would have bought more groceries. Another passive-aggressive way to tell a house guest to get lost, have you let everyone back home know you're safe? Feels like you just got here, but it's actually been a week. Hey, man, can I help you pack? Another top passive-aggressive way to tell a house guest they've overstayed their welcome. I wish you could stay here forever, but that would be nuts. And as long as you're here... Can you help me scrub the toilets today? That'll get them going. Oh, and we can't end this round of Tuesday Tidbits without some hot dog news. A hot dog vendor was stabbed in a San Diego turf war with another hot dog vendor on the weekend. 21-year-old was arrested while the victim was hospitalized with non-life-threatening injuries. That's amazing. The Padres weren't even playing and were having a hot dog fight. And a hot dogger who goes by the name Zack and Cheese proposed to his girlfriend with the beautiful Yellowstone National Park as a backdrop. The best part, he got the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile to be parked there while he got down on one knee. And of course, the sports cage is everywhere. We picked up the audio. Check this out. My dearest Deborah, you're the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. And so, I'm down on one knee. In Yellowstone National Park, asking you, will you marry me? Because if you propose in front of an Oscar Mayer, that is what you're really gonna get. Let the dog get the fun. I love the smell of night come in the morning. This is where the fun begins. I don't want them to gain another yard. 620 CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. All right, welcome back to the Sports Cage, and it's brought to you by our friends at Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. We uh, are talking now with the Canadian Football Hall of Famer, a Grey Cup champ. Before I get to your Vanier Cup run again, Mr. Scott Flory, I don't know if you had a chance to uh, see the highlights or watch any of that Grey Cup game, but it kind of turned out to be a, a classic game here at Mosaic Stadium. And, hey, Josh Haggerty is a Grey Cup champ. 
Yeah, and congrats to Hags for sure. Man, I I texted and our coaches were talking during the game. We had a chance to watch it uh, there. It's why I love football. There isn't a drama out there that can top the stuff that happens in this game. It's, it is just fantastic. And it was a great finish, you know, from the special teams plays to the offensive defense, the backup quarterback coming in. Man, you can't you can't write a script better than that. And it's it was just a, as a fan, uh, you know, no longer being a player, as a fan of the league and everything, it was a fantastic game. And it's why- why I think Canadian football is the best brand of football at any level because of the wackiness and because the game's never done. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the three minutes, uh, the last three minutes of a game is an eternity. You could, you could easily have two, three scores uh, easily. So, yeah, it's, um, no, it was awesome. It was, it was a great showcase of, of our great game. I think uh, I, I had a little bit of arrogance. I'm, listen, I like, uh, I, I, as a former Ram play-by-play guy and a former Ram myself, I can't say I'm totally on board with the Huskies, but I do like Scott Flory. I do like Riker <laughs> Frank, uh, Paul Waldo, and, of course, Mason Nias. But I, I, I kind of had that Saskatchewan arrogance, so we should roll over St. Effects. I tune in at the end of the first half there, and it's a it's a tie ball game. Like, what's going on here but uh, did they surprise you at all no i you know i i think that um uh you know i think that for i just look at myself and i gotta be able to manage we had a you know long day in the travel i don't think i managed it as well as i could have uh, for our guys and i think uh um and i think that first quarter is always a feel out process you know new opponent all that kind of stuff we got away from some of the stuff that we should have been doing finally got to it in the second half we got a got a feel for what was going on they had a great game plan and got to give them a ton of credit they got they got some really good football players out there uh but i think we got a little bit more down to what we and who and what we are especially there in the fourth quarter and uh we had some turnovers and some bad decisions and uh, some uncharacteristic stuff that uh, that we just can't have next weekend. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of interesting. I never thought about it uh, till well, I, I thought about it before you just mentioned it here, but, you know, after the game I was like, gee, you know, the time difference, that can uh, throw a wrench into things. It's almost like you're sleepwalking early, because uh, the time difference, you're playing in the morning Saskatchewan time. Yeah, and then it's uh, it's it's not easy to get to Antigonish. Uh, you gotta go to Halifax, and you got to go through Toronto and deal with airports, and uh, and then you got another two and a half hour bus ride. Uh, uh, just trying to get your feet underneath you and get grounded. Um, you know, it, it, it's tough. You lose a whole day of practice, essentially getting out there. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, not an excuse on, on on our part, and nor. Uh, nor should it be. Um, you know, I, I just look at it for myself. Got to be able to try to manage that. But you live, you learn, and we'll be better next time. Yeah, but Scott, sometimes it's uh, an excuse, and sometimes it's a fact, and you're dealing with young men too. But yeah, you had an interesting going out there. I saw you guys had a delay, and you had to do some stretching in a open area at the airport. It got even worse coming home, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, the joys of travel coming out of COVID, I guess, is uh, we felt that uh, there was worse people on our flight. They're trying to get across the country. It took them a week to get across the country. So, you know, for us, 20 hours or something like that to, to get to, to Halifax, I guess, in the grand scheme of things, wasn't all that bad. Yeah. And uh, you're not going to have that problem uh, going to the Vanier Cup, are you? I, I would assume charter for you. Yeah, no, we eliminated that uh, going to the van. Yeah, we're going to charter out of here. And uh, we felt we didn't want to stay out. We felt it was important to, to, to come back, uh, win or lose, um, just to get to get back in our, our turf and our zone and uh, from a game planning standpoint and all that kind of stuff. It's a little bit more travel, but uh, we really feel it's going to pay off for us. Okay, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You stayed out there last year, right? We did, yeah, and it got really long at the end. Yeah, yeah so that's what you learned from. You just decided, hey, if we ever get back here again, we're going to change things up. Yeah, we want, like I said, we wanted to come back, uh, you know, one, 
you know, it's just it's taking all the stuff you need and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot that goes into a, a 75, 80-person traveling party when you're going for a week and a half to two weeks. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. So it was just easier for us, especially given the commercial flights out to Halifax, to be able to come back. Other than that, how do you think you're better equipped to handle what's going to go on this week? You're probably, uh, you know, you're, you're veterans, kind of like the Bombers were in terms of the pomp and pageantry that goes <laughs> with the week. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, that, that experience is, uh, is valuable in being able to manage yourself getting up to kickoff um, and being able to manage the media and all the expectations and everything that happens. Uh, it doesn't change anything come the game. <laughs> you know, it's still football, right, when the, when the, when the whistle goes. But, you know, I think that uh, for sure we've got to be able to draw on some of that experience in, in playing in, in conference championships and playing in bowl games and, and being able to perform and execute and being able to win those games. Now we've got to, you know, we've got to finish our, our deal here and, and, and hopefully come home with a win here uh, Saturday. Being where you're at now, top dog guy running the program, do you appreciate more what maybe Brian Towers went through and then uh, in your pro career, what a Mark Tressman went through, trying to be in charge of men in a championship setting? Yeah, winning's hard. Uh, I don't I don't care what level you're at. Uh, winning's hard. Uh, and sustained winning is even harder. Um, it, it really is. And, and it, it's something that I'm really proud of our staff. I mean, these guys are, do not get enough credit, uh, nor do the players just in, in what we, what we're doing, but particularly from a coaching staff. I mean, um, you know, especially since we took over here as a group. Um, you know, five seasons essentially, but you know, that first one was really late. So kind of, you know, four full seasons, really, uh, I'm really, I'm really proud of our group and, um, we got work to do though. Uh, we're not losing sight of that. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Are you surprised you're playing Laval? Um, I don't know. Both those teams, I knew it was going to be a heavyweight slugfest. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really surprised we're playing Laval. That's a premier program. They're, they're going to be, they're so disciplined. They're well coached. They're big. They're physical. They're, they're everything that, uh, you know, uh, a final two, uh, opponent should be. Uh, and it's going to be a slugfest. I don't imagine you have to have too many uh, uh, pregame speeches whipped up, Scott, when you guys lost the Vanier Cup last year, right? Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, we, we don't, like, we're a different football team than last year. We're not going to reflect on it. We're going to draw from the experience of it. Um, but for us, this, this, this is a new team. It's a new environment. It's a new, uh, it's a new beast. Um, and it's a totally different opponent that, uh, uh, than, than who we played last year. So, um, and it's somebody that we haven't played as a group, um, you know, and I think last time these two, uh, two programs played was, you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago, something like that. Yeah. So what do you, what do you know about Laval in terms of how you match up with them? Yeah, I, I know that, uh, you know, the Q, uh, the RSEQ there is a little bit more similar to, uh, you know, to the, to Canada West and how we kind of play more of a CFL style. So I think we match up, you know, uh, pretty well. I think any Can West team kind of would. They, they, they run a little bit of spread, 5R. They're going to throw the ball. They're going to, you know, they're going to play, um, you know, it's not the ground and pound that we sometimes see in Ontario. Um, so I, I think from a, from a standpoint, a matchup standpoint, you know, we get a clean surface. We get a, you know, environment free kind of, kind of day. I think it's going to be a, a really, really good, uh, balanced attack football game on both sides. Okay. Okay, buddy. Quit being buttoned up. You got to be excited that you're not having to face Western in their, on their home turf. Like it would have been a really hostile environment. It might be, uh, it might be advantageous for you now a little bit. 
Hey, we went, uh, as I told the boys, we went to Helen back last year when we had to play at the University of Montreal. Uh, that stadium, we couldn't hear a guy. You'd be yelling in his ear and he couldn't hear you what you're saying. So, But yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, uh, playing a home team on home field uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a championship game uh, would not be easy for sure. But we were prepared for either either one, whoever it would have been. Hey, uh, Scott, uh, congratulations on getting this far again. And hopefully you can uh, get to the top of the mountain. We'll be watching eagerly. Good luck. Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Had a great show so far. Chris Cuthbert joined us. Josh Haggerty, Grey Cup champ. Heard from a couple of Ryder fans. Dennis in Buffalo who shoveled his way out. Ryan from Moose Jaw went to the game. And uh, Scott Flory who's uh, going to be headed down east to a western site of the Vanier Cup. They try to win it this year. We're joined on the phone now on the Western Pizza Hotline by our friend John Paddock, coach and GM of your Regina Pats who's driving through the mountains. John, thanks for taking my call. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Glad to take it. Yeah, so are you driving yourself? Are you on the bus with the team? How does this work? Uh, no, I'm ahead of the team a little bit for a couple of reasons. I try to drive quite a bit uh, just with the health situation. Yeah. And uh, also I have a daughter out here I'm going to see for one day. So, yeah, combination. It's awesome, man. Yeah, because I was going to ask you, a, a guy who's gone through some health things in his 60s, if you like going on the iron lung anymore. Well, I don't mind it at all, but just with all the stuff that happened to me last year, and there's a lot of just many different viruses out there this year, I'm going to be on it for a good part of this trip, but just not at the start. That's good. Hey, John, two losses in Winnipeg, but by all accounts, your team played hard. Your thoughts? Yeah, I thought we played you know, pretty good against a really, you know, the number one ranked team in the country, and... Uh, did we deserve better? Well, they're number one for a reason, but I actually, I thought we were going to win the first game of those two games, and, uh, you know, we fell short in the third period, but, uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be good and interesting to see where we're at with other teams here, because uh, I liked our game for the most part last weekend. Is it kind of refreshing on the other side of COVID to get out west and see some of these teams in different settings for your guys? Well, for sure it is. I think maybe more for us to experience it. Uh, it it's, it's sort of strange. I mean, there's guys who have played here counting the hub three years, and we've never seen a a whole more away team up from, from BC. And to come out here in this trip, I think it's exciting, and I think it's it's new. But, you know, we have to, you know, really be focused and keep the job at hand and not get distracted with anything. So it's it's, it's different. It's you know, COVID's remained to play a little bit of havoc with things. I don't know if this is havoc, but it's 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 different. It shouldn't be like this, but that's this is the way it is. Uh, John, what do you get in Riley Janelle as you acquired him from uh, Moose Jaw? He split his time, I think, between Brandon and Moose Jaw. What do you get in that overage forward? Well, I believe we're getting uh, you know a, a big body guy. He's six foot four. Uh, gives us a little bit more size. Uh, he's a left-hand shot. We were really abnormal. We've had, we have more right-hand shots up front than left-hand shots. A small thing, but I think a big thing and important. He had 14 goals and 34 points last year with Brandon. He had some good players he's playing with. I think we have some good forwards up there, so I wouldn't say it's a mystery. I wouldn't say it's a lot, but we're looking, we're looking forward to, you know, 
his attributes being added to our team. Uh, John, we got a text from Glenn. He says, I'm a diehard Pats fan here. What have you liked about the group so far this season, and what would you like to see your team do a better job of? That's from Glenn. Well, uh, I like how we've played for the most part. Um, I think you know, I think our, our record isn't quite as good as we've played, uh, but also, you know, we're, we're still pretty young. Uh, we have to keep gaining from our experience. Like I said a little bit earlier, I'm looking forward to seeing what we're going to do with some other teams now after how we play against Winnipeg. So um, just keep gaining experience, uh, keep the puck out of our net. Our goalies have been pretty good and our penalty killing has been better than it was last year. Those two things can lead to... Uh, you know, some good results for us. Alex Suzdalev, eight-game point streak. Is there any back and forth between, you know, Pat's Brass, yourself, and the Capitals, and feedback you're getting from what they're seeing from him? Is, is there a little give and take during the season like that? Uh, there is definitely during the season. There hasn't been uh, too much lately. I mean, their assistant general manager and basically their top talent evaluator, uh, Ross Mahoney, lives right in Regina, so that connection, you know, helped in working with his representatives, uh, which is Newport, the same as Connor, you know, get him to come here. And uh, so I have a good relationship with Ross, our organization does. So there's definitely feedback, but uh, he's got a lot of other players to watch in the upcoming draft. But uh, it's a, it's a, he's been really good for us. Uh, he's continuing to learn the North American style in a smaller rink, but uh, he's a very dangerous player. He can really shoot the puck. Coach, uh, what what can you what else can you say about Bedard? Nine straight multi-point uh, games. Uh, just your thoughts on his play. Uh, is there something you want to see different from him, or is it pretty much according to script right now? Um, I think it's pretty much according to script, and that's not you know no more than fifty percent to do with the points. He's really uh, not that he wasn't before, and he's. You know, as any player is, they have, you know, a little bit of off games and a little bit better games, but his uh, execution of the game all over the ice and, you know, doing a lot of little things that lead to opportunities and, uh, you know, he's been, he's been really solid in every zone. Uh, you know, I think for the first time, for an extended period of time, that being probably around 45 seconds, I used the other night Winnipeg on five on three against Tanner Howe first and then Connor. And uh, that's taking a step because uh, then he ended up blocking a shot near the end of it. And uh, so his game is uh, at a pretty high level. Coach, uh, last one for you. I like picking the brains of smart hockey guys. You'd be among them. I talked to Chris Cuthbert earlier about this. You know, in football, I like the fact they move the point after attempt back to 32 yards. It makes a meaningless play. You know, you don't go to the fridge for a beer. I love three-on-three hockey as opposed to a shootout. How about you? Do you like the three-on-three? Like, I'd like to see him go 10 minutes three-on-three and decide it that way. I like the three on three better than the shootout. Like the shootout just becomes a, you know, like you know, people call it a skills contest. I guess that's what it is. But um, I like the three on three too. Uh, I'm not sure with, you know, in all of hockey, the schedules that you have, whether it works to keep extending the game. I mean, they're usually over fairly quick, so it probably wouldn't go ten minutes. But um, you know, for us. You know, we, we play uh, 
Friday night in Vancouver and six o'clock start in Victoria. I mean, we're going to take the ferry. Our, our, our times are set, but just the longer you play, it becomes more difficult to make steps that way at every level. But it, it's exciting. I think it's good. Uh, I certainly don't want to ever see it come into playoff games, but uh, it, it's. I agree with you. It's a pretty exciting time. Gate, lastly, Coach, I've been on uh, a couple of these uh, trips uh, back in the day with the Pats, actually, as, a, as, a, as an announcer. What's a, what, what's a realistic goal for you in terms of points, wins, or do you even look at that? Are you looking more at performance? I know you guys have had a couple of losses of uh, you know tough games on the road here as of late. What are you looking for out here in terms of success rate? Well, I'd say it's a combination. Like we, you know, we need to come out of here with um, at a 500 record of these six games, I think that's very doable. Um, and you know, maybe something else with it uh, depends on the, you know, different injuries you can hit and so forth. But uh, my first year here, we, or I don't think we were really expected. We took off on this trip. We were one four out of five. But, mm-hmm. uh, we have the personnel to do it. We need to be a little bit more consistent. And, not shoot ourselves in the foot um, and that's not to say other teams aren't doing something to deserve it but um, we definitely want to be 500 or a little bit better well John thanks for your time safe travels my friend and good luck out here uh, getting to see some new environments for some of these kids so uh, thanks for your time safe travels great thank you very much that's John Paddock, head coach and general manager of your Regina Pats, who play the Vancouver Giants. Of uh, Talking about that six-game roadie, uh, Vancouver Giants. I believe it's a 9.30 face-off. We'll be on the air at the pregame show at 9.05 on Friday night with Dante DeCaria, John Paddock behind the bench. This is the Sports Cage for our friends at Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second or long, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they quit some, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of Time for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. Brought to you by Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan to serve you. Check them out at qualitytire.ca. I uh, got some text before I get to Glenn. Uh, Danny, I was at the Grey Cup. I didn't think the seats were empty at all. Look full from my seats at kickoff, and the concourse was packed the whole game. I love the show. Peter from Lumsden, I grew up in England, so I love soccer, but I can see how many just don't get into it. Some scoreless matches can be like watching paint dry. Uh, Glenn Suter joining us. Glenn, are you a big soccer guy? I know the white caps are there and everything like that. I tr- I'm trying to get into it. It's the equivalent of baseball to me. I guess I can get into it if I have a team to root for, which in this case would be Canada. Uh, and if it's on a big stage, because I got into it when my Padres made the uh, push to the World Series this year. But otherwise, I just, I can't, I can't get my juices going for soccer. Uh, well, it's not my sport really either. Uh, neither is baseball, as, as we've talked about before, Michael. But, um, you know, I, I do admire the loyal soccer fans. I, I think when they get singing in the stands and they all have their scarves and, and their sort of, you know, their own kind of niche way of cheering for their teams, I, I think that's really cool and we could probably learn from it. Um, I also, uh, you know, love the straight loyalty of European soccer fans. Like, 
you know, I mean, you could argue that Premier League soccer in in Europe is more popular and has more loyal fans than anything in the United States. Oh, it is. And that's saying something. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that, man. And uh, hey, that ain't a shot at soccer. I just I, I just can't get into it. But I will tell you this. We saw shades of what you were just talking about this week at Ryderville and at the ITC Center. I mean, you go to all those team rooms and everybody's walking around. Uh, BC, Calgary, Winnipeg, Toronto, Ottawa, like people were representing their teams. It was nice to see. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I had a, sort of a personal test going on, too, to see um, how my uh, really good friends, guys who I've known for, for years, over 20 years, that have flo- that flew in from Vancouver. They're sports fans, not necessarily even just huge football fans. They're overall sports fans, and they they wanted to come and see in Saskatchewan what it felt like what was Ryder Nation all about? What was the stadium and all of that? And you should have heard them rave about just how welcoming the people of Saskatchewan were. That they go, they went into all the festival stuff, and people were talking and embracing them, and it was jam packed and great bands. And you know, they just said this this whole experience has been unbelievable. They raved about how great Saskatchewan people are, the facility and Mosaic Stadium and how it's just world-class of anything they've seen in their travels. And they just raved about it. So, you know, that was kind of my personal. I wanted to see, you know, if they get it. And they said immediately when they walked through those festival doors, they were welcomed with open arms uh, by Saskatchewan people, and I thank them for that. Glenn, uh, you know, we, you know, you and I, well, you played, and then you were in the booth, so maybe not, you're not like you and I, but when I... You know, when I was growing up, you went to Mosaic Stadium, Old Taylor Field. You sat on one side or you sat on the other side. You and your buddies met on the on the old practice field there where you guys would practice Monday to Friday or whenever the game was, and then we'd turn it into like a drinking beer and barbecue set up there for the Ryder game. Then you'd go to the game, and you'd either be on the west side or the east side, and you'd even before cell phones, you wouldn't talk to that person until after the game. It's a different way of watching a game now. I don't get into this whole, oh, it looked half empty, it looked terrible on TV. It looked good on TV. I thought the presentation was great. You guys had a lot of different camera angles, and people don't go to games and just sit in their seats anymore. So, I don't buy this. It looked half empty. First of all, it was a sellout to begin with. Second of all, yeah, some fans decided not to come. I'm not going to judge them, but people were hanging around on the concourse. It's a party. It was great. Yeah, yeah. Listen, if you know, what's, what was your what's your favorite movie of all time? I mean, pick your favorite movie of all time and then start complaining about the movie because of the color of a guy's t-shirt in one scene. I mean, um, you know, that's, you'll, you'll find still there'll be people that do that. But uh, if, if you bought a ticket and decided not to go, that's up to you, but you missed a fantastic football game and drama and excitement that you will not see. I mean, it it is going to be one for the ages. Um, Everything that we love about football was showcased in that great cup championship. And you're right, uh, it was sold out, so, you know, we could go full stop there. But also, people do watch differently. I mean, the, the Bomber fans in IG Field this year, and every year really, um, were, were packed. I mean, there were over 30,000 and packing the place. But if you take a shot of the stands at the wrong time or whatever, you're, you're going to see a lot of empty seats because they're up in the rum hut in different places, and 
and they're meeting in the concourse. That's that's kind of what happens now. So you know, at the end of the day, it was it was sold out. It was a great, it was a good halftime show. It was a great performance by the players on the field and theater second to none. Yeah, for sure. Glenn Suter joining us here. We're going to talk about, about about the game here, and then on the other side of the break, I want to get into a little of uh, uh, talk about you because I was at the breakfast that honored you at the Football Reporters of Canada. But <laughs> oh man, I'm watching I'm watching the game. I watched the first half at the stadium, and then I. I'm a football guy, so I'm in the booth, in the Harvard Media booth, uh, with our owner, Paul Hill, and everybody, and I love kibitzing, but I'm a football guy. I can't have people bugging me when I'm trying to watch the game. So I left at halftime to go watch the rest of your broadcast at my house, and I'm watching Robbie Smith get a face-masking penalty, and I'm like, oh, man, it's an unfortunate break, but it looks like the Bombers are going to win. When you're up on, in the booth, you're almost seeing the same thing, like, oh, it looks like the Bombers are going to escape this one. I am, but I'm not. I'm not doing it from my uh, having a favorite team perspective. Yeah. And I know, and I know you didn't want the Bombers to win for for good reasons from your perspective. But yeah, um, yeah you know, I I I do. I you know, I thought I, I've always thought that football and a, and a three hour game is sort of a microcosm of life in a lot of ways. There's tremendous challenges. There's, you know, the thrill of victory and, and the euphoria when a big play is made by the entire group. And then there's also adversity that you have to fight back from, and you have to do it with the help of others around you. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's sort of life in a lot of ways. And that, the drama between Robbie Smith getting that face mask call, that is, that is a penalty that had it gone the other way and Legio made that kick and it wasn't blocked, that would have been a moment in his life that it would have been hard to come back from. I mean, it, it, those, those are devastating moments because you feel like you've let your entire team down, your teammates and, and everybody else. But he was encouraged and picked up by all his team. I heard after the game that Garrett Davis, right after the face mask call, went right over to his teammate, picked him up and said, listen, let that go. We need you. We need you for the next play. Let it go and let's go and let's go make one. And then seconds later, he makes the play of the game and the Argos win a championship and he is the hero with the block, the same yeah. guy that yeah. had that devastating penalty. I just... That 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 is drama. You just cannot create or write a script for. Uh, Dave sends a text in on our Capital Ford Lincoln text line at nine three six sixty two sixty two. Hey Glenn, no disrespect to Enoch Mwamba, but I think Robbie Smith should have won the Most Valuable Canadian. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Our, we're taking nothing away from Mwamba, but were you? I was. I was actually. Hey, great for Enoch. Great guy. All the guys love him. We had Josh Haggerty on earlier on the show uh, talking about what a hard worker he is and a great human being. But I was kind of shocked Robbie Smith didn't get something for his efforts because not only did he block the field goal, but he was a force on defense too. Yeah, and he had a, had a big a big block on a, on a kick return too that I tried to point out with the telestrator in the game. Uh, it was a kick return that gave him great field position and points. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, that's a tough one. And, and here's, here's a couple of reasons. If you if a guy is the MVP of the game who is also Canadian, yeah, if he if he's the best player in the game and that's what the MVP is is voted on, then 
he's also the best Canadian. And so there's that sort of mindset. I, I said the exact same thing, actually. What, who was, what was the caller's name? Dave. Dave, yeah. Dave, I said the exact same thing walking out of the booth. I thought the redemption, you know, 45 seconds for Robbie Smith, and he made some other good plays in the game, too. But that, that whole storyline right at the end where he blocks the kick and they win, um, I, I thought that deserved recognition, and you could have done that for giving him the Canadian and Enoch the the outset, uh, MVP. Hey. But. I pick up what you're yeah. putting. I pick up what you're putting down about the MVP and the most outstanding Canadian, and I agree with you. Uh, but then again, I see Mario Elfer doesn't get the Western All Star, and we saw how great Janarian Grant is because he ran set a record there. Okay, but he's the Western All Star or the Western nominee for the Special Teams Player of the Year, wins the National Award, but isn't a Western All Star. Makes you shake your head. Yeah, I, I, you, you know, you almost should have a couple of wild card all star, um, you know, positions where you could you could put that guy that's the extra linebacker that, you know, is is playing in a different role that's had such a great season that you have to fit him in somewhere, but he hasn't been a starter or whatever it may be. I, I don't know. There's got to be a way around that because it just doesn't make any sense that a guy. He isn't an all-star, but he's an award winner. Okay, um, Suits, I want to, before we yeah. go to break, I want to ask you this about coaching stock that may have gone up and may have gone down. I get your opinion. How about Buck Pierce's stock as an offensive coordinator? People were talking about maybe a head coach. I thought he had an off game. I, you know, uh, you know, a little bit too much Dakota Prukop in that game for my liking. Yeah, that, that will always be criticized if you don't win. And, I, and I've... Um, I, I, to be honest with you, my honest opinion is I, I, I'm not a fan of it. I'm really not. I, I think when your quarterback has, has generated two or three first downs in a drive, you can take him out for that short yardage plunge. I like that. I think you, you take as many hits away from your starting quarterback as you possibly can, and, and that short yardage uh, you know, opportunity is, is there to put your backup in an athletic running style quarterback and let him get the first down and then get your starter back out there because he's in a group. And I just, I've, I've always sort of disagreed with it. In fact, I've often gone on talk back to our producer in the, in the truck and said, why are they doing this again? When, you know, Zach Kolaris is hot. He's just completed two in a row. He's got three first downs. They're rolling and you switch up the chemistry. Uh, um, However, we have seen teams win that way. Yeah. And then you sort of step back and say, oh, well, I guess it's a good decision. But I, I, I don't like it personally. Okay. Uh, one guy whose stock went up, the Argos D coordinator, Corey Mace. Boy, did he have a great game. Yeah. And, you know, I, again, I, I, I felt like going in, and I know we talked about this, Michael, before the game, that this is an Argo team that is physical, that creates turnovers. They won the turnover battle, again, two to one. And uh, a team that matches up well at the line of scrimmage with the best O line in the league in, in Winnipeg. And I, and I thought for that reason alone, I knew this game was going to be close because, it, you know, when you match up in the trenches, then it's a matter of a tip here or a great defensive play there or, you know, a, an interception by Mwamba at the right time. I mean, that's what it comes down to when you match up at the line of scrimmage. The Lions were a little light there, and that's why the West Final got out of control in the second half. But the Argos weren't. They could hang in there because of that line, and I, 
you know, I, I'm not surprised with the outcome. Corey Mason called a, a very good game. So, Glenn Suter, do you think it's the end of the line for Andrew Harris and McLeod Bethel-Thompson? Well, first of all, can I just mention that I have been so impressed with McLeod Bethel-Thompson's messaging through Grey Cup Week, and good for him for saying what he's saying, which is to protect our game. I yeah. put a tweet out there if people want to take a look. Protect our game. Let's come together. Let's protect the brand. Let's start being real proud of it. And he was very vocal about that. He loves Canadian football. I, hey, he, he's, get a lot, he's got a lot of things he could do in his life. He's a really smart guy. He's well-spoken. Um, I, I hope he comes back. I hope Andrew Harris does as well. I think they got more football in him, but, but we'll see. Yeah, that was a great uh, – he, he called out the commissioner. He was pretty vocal, which is great to see uh, from an American player. You know what else was cool at Ryderville? I'll say this. Tevin Jones – Former Pittsburgh Steeler, Jacksonville Jag, uh, you know, kind of uh, one of those guys in and out of the lineup in the receiving core, but did a great job on special teams, too. That's kind of why the Riders kept him on the roster. He is stuck around, and he's staying around till December 1st. He wanted to experience the Grey Cup. He could have just taken off. He wasn't really prominent at the end of the year in a, on, a, on a year or in a year that uh, was circling the drain, but he hung around. He was in Ryderville wearing his jersey, signing autographs, playing cornhole with the fans. I thought it was that was great. Yeah, yeah, and you know what it'll do too? It will give him that mo- more motivation. I think when players watch that aren't in it, I, it certainly was for me that if you're not in the game and then you all, all of a sudden get a chance to feel what it's like and see how big it is. I mean, we had over 8 million people tune in at one time or another. Uh, the ratings are out. The average was well over 3 million people when you add RDS in too. And, you know, it you you when you get that hands-on feel it just drives you that much more it's like it's it's almost uh something where you now can see it and say i can do this too i can be there too i just gotta push i gotta keep with and i gotta keep believing um but it sort of makes it real because you can reach out and touch it and be part of it so it's good for that i'm, I'm glad when players stay around and and see it what it's like to enjoyed, especially American players. Glenn, I got a couple of texts on the text line for you. We'll get to that. I want to get to your quick uh, get to that uh, great uh, morning breakfast that we had at the uh, Double Tree to honor you and Ed Willis. And uh, yeah, Chris Cuthbert had some nice words for you earlier on the show. This is the Sports Cage for our friends at Saskatchewan Lotteries on 6... Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Sports ticker brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 7-8-1-20-90. NHL tonight, just two games. Kings hosting the Rangers. Buffalo is at Montreal. World Cup of Soccer in Qatar. We had uh, Saudi Arabia upsetting Argentina 2-1. Tunisia and Denmark played to a scoreless draw. So did Mexico and Poland. France beat Australia 4-1. Canada plays Belgium tomorrow, 1 o'clock our time. A lot of people will be tuned in for that. All right. So back to Glenn Suter. Uh, Suits, first off, uh, what a great uh, morning breakfast there on Sunday. Football Reporters of Canada, you go in. Uh, and Ed Willis. It's funny, uh, <laughs> uh, Chris Cuthbert, your old running mate, said, I was shocked it took him this long to get in. But then Rod Smith pointed out to me that it was 27 years, and that ties into your number, so that's why. So it was a good little tidbit there from CC. Uh, yeah, and, you know, he's the GOAT. So greatest of all time. Uh, 
you know, he sent me some great, really nice messages. And, and I, this gives me a chance. I don't want to spend too much time on this at all, Michael, because, you know, it's not about me. Uh, it's, it's about the game and it's about the great cup. So I'll just, I'll just say thank you to everybody who sent me messages, who went on social media to say hi and congratulate and congratulations. And, you know, I, I, there was tons of them and I really appreciated a lot of them from Saskatchewan. So thank you very much for, for all of that, but it's always a team effort and that's exactly, you were there and I appreciate you being there. Um, and it's a team effort and, and you're one of my teammates as well. So um, I'll accept on your behalf. <laughs> you know what? I I didn't realize this. You brought it up in your speech. I haven't even hazed you on this show yet. I haven't even got to do something rookie wise here. Yeah. Well, I know. That's what. Well, <laughs> you know, if if you get me going, I'll have my guitar. It'll be an all nighter. Yeah. Me. Well, next time you're in town uh, during the year, you're going to come to my backyard and we'll break some bread and uh, play some tunes. Uh, speaking of that, you had a little uh, get together afterwards at Memories, and your son played. Your daughter was there. Your wife was there. That's what it's all about. It's not wins and losses. It's not Gemini Awards because uh, none of that stuff matters at the end of your days. It's your family. It was great to have them there, and, and my son did a, another outstanding job. He's a pro, and um, we, I think he might have played till the wee hours. We almost saw the sun come up, but uh, to have him there, you know, I think to Enoch Mwamba on the stage accepting uh, not only the Great Cup, but his, his personal awards and, and his little daughter stepping up, and, and, and Dad, the, the real tough middle linebacker, is, is completely emotional tears running down his face because, you know, he knows and was showing all of us how the families go through the ride up and down, just like the players. And uh, it's, it's the families that you lean on in the bad times, big time, and that you celebrate with. And they're the first ones you want to hug when, when it goes well. So that, that image of his little daughter up there and Mwamba in tears, I think I'll, I'll never forget that image. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay, so uh, Suits, uh, I asked uh, Chris Cuthbert this earlier in the show. Did you know right away that you would be, uh, you'd hit it off with Glenn and you'd have chemistry? He said yes. He goes, I don't critique my color commentators. I've worked with 60 of them over all the sports. But I will say this about Glenn. He is the one color commentator I've worked with that could do my job. So that's pretty high praise. Did you know right away you'd hit it off with him? Oh, I knew with him, yes. I mean, I, I knew the moment. First of all, I was a huge fan as, as just a sports fan, whether it be hockey or football that he was calling. And we worked together at CBC before we took, you know, we, TSN, took over uh, the entire broadcast. But, um, you know, I, it, was, it was seamless for us because, you know, what I – what I love about our guys now and, and Chris um, certainly was their sincere love and, and passion for Canadian football. I mean, that's where it starts. And also they're, that they are great teammates. I mean, I, I would look at Chris Cuthbert's charts and he would inspire me to do better in my charts, to be more prepared and find more out more information on the players and the history of the game and everything that we might have to bring to a broadcast, and is just his great love for it. And that that didn't all that was something that I learned more and more of, not necessarily on the air, but I learned more and more of that when we were driving to the park or we were having dinner together or you know we were on our way home and 
we would constantly talk about our love for the league and he would talk about his Ottawa Rough Riders back in the day and things like that. And it was just, I knew there was such sincere passion with Chris and that's what you hear. It's the same with hockey. He he loves hockey too, but he will always tell you how much it meant to him to call great cup games and, um, you know, it was real. It was mm. real, and that's why he's as good as he is. Text from Mark at 936-6262, our Capital Ford Lincoln text line. Hey, Abalsi, thanks for commenting yesterday on Brandon Banks' objectionable conduct penalty. I'd like to hear what Suter thought about it, whether the refs should have let them play. Glad when I saw that penalty, that's what I thought. I thought Suter is probably up in the booth just boiling because he doesn't like unnecessary penalties. I think there, hey, Brandon has a bad, um, he's got a bad, Sometimes he doesn't express himself well on the field. He gets a bit of a bad attitude sometimes. But I think in that case, you got to let him play. Uh, well, no. I mean, I, I am a big fan of, of less penalties. You, you know that, and so does our, our listeners. I think that's something that should really focus on in the offseason, the rules committee, and all of that. But, uh, you know, Brandon Banks made a selfish decision, mm-hmm. and the spotlight found him. And that that's, you know... When you think of all the lessons that we, we can learn from watching the game and, and just the redemption of Robbie Smith and all, all of the things that happen, a backup quarterback who was thrown into the spotlight and, and, and acts like he's been there his whole life and, and generates a touchdown. I mean, Chad Kelly's performance alone you could make a movie around. And, and Brandon Banks made a – and I said this on the telecast, so, so the caller may not have – I've seen the, the telecast yet and, and maybe watch it back because I, I said what I felt, which was that was a selfish decision to make. Mm-hmm. And it, it could very well have cost them a game and cost them a championship. And uh, you just, you have to eliminate putting your own agenda ahead of the goals of the team. And if you can find a team that will, that's why the Bombers have been so good for so many years. Well, then you know that. Yeah. It's it's not it's not just the skill. Yes, they have skill. Every team has skill, but it's it's that family caring about each other, not letting each other down, and that's why they had the fewest penalties in the regular season. And Brandon Banks made a selfish decision. Okay, one minute left. We got a couple of other texts. I'll save uh, for the next day, but I'll tell or for Thursday. But I'm going to tell you this right now, suits. You look at that game. You kind of touched on it. You got a team that had double the penalty yards. They had a field goal blocked in their own right. Okay, they uh, they take a terrible face masking penalty that could have cost them the season. The Brandon Banks penalty. Chad Kelly comes in off the bench, the backup quarterback. They gave up the longest punt return in Grey Cup history, and they still won the game. That's the CFL right there. It really is, and and that Grey Cup showcase all that is good about it. That that never sort of out of it element the final three minutes and the drama that is possible in that final three minutes because of the rules because of the differences that's why that final three minutes can be so electric and so exciting and dramatic i mean how about the canadiana of it enoch mawamba a two-time winner in the last two of the last three gray cups a canadian player mawamba played his college ball at saint fx Andrew Harrison, 19, was a junior player in Va- on Vancouver Island. I mean, these are Canadian kids, and they're the only two in the 109-year history of the game that have, have won both the MVP and Outstanding Canadian. I mean, this is, this is Canadiana at its best. Robbie Smith, 
Nick Hallett out of the University of Toronto blocks a punt that looked like it was going to be the game-saving play for Winnipeg. Um, it showcases the special teams. You and I have talked all year about how our game highlights the athletes in spe- on special teams like Janarian Grant and a 102-yard punt return and two block kicks in the final three minutes. I mean, the other thing it pointed out, you, you don't need 60 points scored collectively in a game to be exciting. Nope. There were 47 points scored in this game, and it had drama through the roof. So it showcased everything that's great about the CFL, and that's what I hope the league really concentrates on in the offseason is strong messaging. I, I hope that they step up and say, look, we're not going to change the Canadian ratio. Let's stop talking about that. End of story. We're going, not going to change three downs. That's what makes our game great. There will always be 12 players on the field. End of discussion on all of that. I, I hope we do that. And then we can move on and really promote what makes it great because that was a great showcase in that great cup. We're going to move on to uh, this segment on Thursday. Thanks for your time, Glenn. We'll talk to you then. Okay, great. Thank, thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. That is Glenn Suter with press coverage. He'll be back on Thursday. Uh, when we come back in the other cli- side of 6 o'clock news, Kyle McIntyre of the SJHL, a little Cougars in the cage, too. This is the Sports Cage on 620. I love the smell of come in the morning. This is where the fun begins. CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. When you go in there, ask them about their Rough Rider suite deal, and you could be in the running to watch a Rough Rider game from a luxury suite next year when the Riders take to the field in 2023. But we're well into hockey season. Time to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Say hi to our friend, the commissioner of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, Kyle McIntyre. How are you today, man? I am doing just great. How are you, Michael? Good. Did you take in the Grey Cup festivities? I know you're a football fan, too. I did not take them in physically, but I did watch on TV, and it was quite the show, wasn't it? That was a great game, wasn't it? That had everything you wanted. You see two block kicks maybe a year, especially in the CFL. We saw two in the last minute. Yeah, that was unbelievable. Top to bottom, it was a great show. Uh, a little bit disappointed to see uh, Green Suit Night at Mosaic, but I'll tell you what, at home, uh, what value. That was an awesome game, and I was happy with the outcome. Yeah, but you know what, Kyle? You mentioned something, so let's go into that. People consume games differently. They consume them differently than they used to be, whether it's radio, TV, they're streaming now. You know you've got all the social accounts. So people follow your product in different ways, and I think that's what we got to recognize about the CFL, for one. Uh, the concourse is bigger. People come. I'm not saying there weren't empty seats, but there weren't as many as you'd think because... People walk around, they, they uh, kibitz, they talk. It's like a social gathering, and the game is kind of a side attraction, even if it's a great cup game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, look at that concourse at Mosaic. I mean, uh, it's kind of like a, a consumer's uh, dream. You know, you can go there and get a two-foot hot dog or get a couple sodas or nachos. There's always lots. Of, and you know what? At a Ryder game, 
everybody in Saskatchewan sees everybody, right? It's a one degree separation. So, mm-hmm. so to your point, you're right for sure. But regardless, it was a good game, and I think Regina did a fantastic job with it. So, a lot of these towns, these cities, the hockey team is the meeting ground. It's the lifeblood. Whether it's Estevan or Weyburn or Larange, how's attendance been so far early on this year? Well, we're through 137 games, Michael, and we've had about 84,674 people attend games. And so that's about 618 per game. And, of course, uh, you know, at, uh, the big market uh, teams, some of our top five, so Battleford, Flintline, LaRange, Humboldt, and Esteban, uh, they draw against one another extremely well. But uh, 618 is pretty healthy uh, per game on average. What was your goal coming out of the pandemic? Because you had to weather the storm like so many uh, leagues. And yours is, uh, you know, yours has always been a, a challenge financially in terms of making sure the teams are healthy and, and you have a lot of uh, different budgetary things going on there. How, what was your goal coming out of the pandemic in terms of showing fans a good time, that type of thing? Yeah, and you know what? Again, the in-game experience is quite quite important, right? And I would say in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, we have a bit of a shifting demographic in terms of our fan base. Uh, a lot more families when you're out in games now and seeing a lot of a lot of younger fans, a lot of people with children at the games, which is excellent, right? And that's certainly who we want to market to. We want to market to not only our our longtime loyal fans, but also uh, families, and make sure it's a good family in-game experience. So coming out of COVID, we wanted to see uh, buildings that were full. Uh, we want to see buildings that were energetic, and we're certainly seeing that. And uh, right now, we probably got about six teams that are kind of separating themselves from the bottom six. But from uh, six to or nine to twelve, it's still a dogfight. Uh, try to get that last playoff spot. Hey, uh, my buddy Barry from the Monday Neuter podcast said the boys say hi to you. I know you've been on that podcast. It's a uh, picking up steam, the senior hockey uh, podcast, and. Uh, they say this guy played uh, hockey in a tough era. So let me ask you, Kyle McIntyre, how do you feel about the way the game's going? You know, we talked about this last time you're on with the cages now, everything like that. I, I for one, listen, I love watching the Oilers, Dave Semenko and Tim Hunter fighting, but I think the way the game's going, the way sports is going, everything we're hearing, I, I wouldn't be opposed to fighting being taken out of the game if the referees call the rules the way they should. You know what? Uh, we have had outstanding officiating this year in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, so certainly can't complain about that. And I would say probably of all the junior A leagues in the CJHL, the SJHL is a 200-foot game. Uh, last weekend, I was up in LaRange. Was- we'll take a break and be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment on 620. Nobody covers your team. Like our team, this is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. All right, let's get back to our guest. Hey, uh, by the way, Sabres lead the Habs 2-0. Kyle McIntyre, the commissioner, not sure what happened there, uh, Commissioner, but you were talking about this being a 200-foot league. Continue. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, the game I went to uh, last weekend in LaRange, LaRange and Weyburn were playing, and it was a fast, high-scoring, high-skilled, hard-hitting uh, game. It was great to watch. Yeah. So you're... Your league sports the number one team, obviously, in the SJHL, but in the Canadian Junior Hockey League, too. North Battleford, the, the three top scorers, and the goalie. Tell us about this powerhouse. Oh, my goodness. You know what? The whole uh, the line of Dole, Southgate, and Bell, like they have been lighting her up as a, as a team and as a line, and all three of them are in the scoring race. So uh, Holden Dole has 37 points. Kian Bell has 36 points, and Jay Southgate has 36 points. So, I mean, uh, they're, they're ripping it up, and uh, Bell has got 19 goals in 20 games, and 
And, you know, that's a line to be reckoned with. But the thing that makes Battleford strong is they got four lines that just do not stop. They come at you all the time. And when you get by their line, uh, you know, then they have a, a pretty good goalie in Josh Cote, who is uh, sporting about a 1.88 goals against average. So he's been lights out too. Yeah, talking about lights out, looking at your top five as the rankings just came out, LaRange at number two, they're 16-7-1, and one, and they're getting scoring up and down the lineup too, and good goaltending too. Yeah, you know what? They got two really good goalies. They got uh, Smith and uh, Topher, and uh, both those kids are, you know, they played on both nights. Friday and Saturday, and uh, LaRange, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Like, I don't know if you've been to the Mel Eggstead Arena, Balsy, but, no. but it is a, it's a small barn, and so every single team in that division has home ice advantage. And so if I was a team that was maybe higher in the standings, LaRange is not a team I'd want to see in the playoffs. Now, the Flynn Flon Bombers, when they have to travel, they have to travel, right? They spent plenty of time on the bus in the last week. They hit the road for four games in four different rinks. They ended up going 2-1-1. One, and one. They got a nice program going out there or going on up there in Flynn Flon at 15-5-2-1. Yeah, Regan, you know, Mike Regan has been in the league. He's probably one of the longest serving coaches that we have, and, and he's a, a resident of Flynn Flon, so he knows what type of hockey the Bomber fans like, and they got a real, real strong team. Uh, Jaden Mercy is a pretty good player, and Cole Dupereau is a good player. And, and then they got this Harmon Laser Hume that they picked up from Nipwin and Goal. And he's pretty solid and probably, probably one of the best defensemen in the SJHL and Lucas Fry. So they got a good team. I'm actually going up there this weekend, and I'm going to watch a home and away set uh, between Malford and Flintflon and that is going to be an absolute dandy. Yeah, and Malford started slow, but they're turning things around right at 11, 8, and 4. Yeah, you know what, uh, uh, Trevor Blevins is a pretty good coach. And you know what, uh, they got a veteran squad, and they know how to play, and uh, they can lock it down probably better than any team I've seen. And you know, the Esteban Bruins, I was a little shocked. They started uh, kind of pedestrian-like, but they're, they're climbing back now. I think they were just outside of your top five, and now they're the fifth-ranked team in the league. Yeah, and they're a team that's probably played half their games already, which is absolutely crazy when you think about it. But uh, again, they got you know they got a they got a good team. They got some good veteran players. Uh, they lost Cody Davis. He uh, came down with an ankle injury, and he's one heck of a player. And they got a guy named uh, Jed Fangura uh, that's a pretty good right winger for an 18 year old. He's a good goalie, and then uh, Hardlika is their goalie. And Hardlika has got the most minutes in the SJHL, and that guy eats a lot of pucks. Like he's unbelievable. He's like a a throwback like a Jerry Cheevers, if you remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dump Worsley flopping all over the place and making all kinds of saves. He's quite an athlete. Bo- a Boston Bruin reference there for the Estevan Bruins. You know what I like about you, and I think every commissioner should be like this. You need to be a fan of your league. You need to care about your league. You just can't be in the chair. you got to be about the league, and that's what you seem like. You You seem like you love hockey. Oh, I love it. It's awesome. And, you know, I, I love being in the rink. So, like, I had a great time last weekend in Lodge, And, you know, like, uh, great to see people that are passionate about their teams and their community and the kids on the team. And, I mean, that's what the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League is about, right? So, kids are visible in communities. They do a lot of outreach in the communities. They do a lot of work in the schools. A lot of kids look up to them. And, and everybody knows everybody in, in these towns in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. All right. So... Uh, I got to ask you this question. I asked Chris Cuthbert this earlier. I'm asking you this. I had asked John Paddockett. I, 
One of the best rule changes in pro sports is when they move the point after attempt back to 32 yards. It started in the CFL, by the way. The NFL didn't give the CFL any credit. Of course they wouldn't. Um, But I like the three-on-three, and I actually think they should gas the shootout and just go three-on-three for 10 minutes. How do you feel about that? Well, that, that would be all right. Like, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want to be a goalie in a shootout now with some of the moves and some of the dangles that these guys have. You just absolutely cannot even defend against some of these shots, right? Uh, last weekend, we had uh, Battleford lost their ice plant, so they had to go play in uh, Battleford and Wilkie. And on uh, Saturday afternoon, they had an overtime game, uh, Battleford versus Flintlawn. And that Kian Bell, he got an absolute beauty in the three-on-three. You give up an odd man rush. So usually one team goes down, ballsy, they don't score. The other guys come back and finished it, and it was a, it was an absolute dandy, like probably the most thrilling part of the game. Yeah, and that it makes the opening faceoff that much more important. Like if you get, I'm just using NHL for a reference here. If you get Drysdale and McDavid on the ice and they win the faceoff, look out, it could be over like that. Absolutely, but if they miss, you know there's no one back defending the home plate. <laughs> and with the Oilers' goaltending, it's usually in the net. Uh, if Cal- hey, but, and not with Stuart Skinner. Hey, yeah. I'm a Stuart Skinner guy. Oh, me too. I know. I'm a Skinner guy too. Campbell's off to a bad start. Uh, but here's something I'd love to see. Now, this is going to be sacrilegious. The Monday Nooner guy said, you're a, you're a tough guy from a different era, so you probably won't like this. But I'm honestly in favor of this. In the playoffs, in the playoffs, in overtime, your first overtime is five on five. Your second overtime is four on four. And going forward after that, you go three on three overtime. Get the game. So it's, you know what I mean? I, I know it's not traditional, but, you know, time constraints, the wear and tear in the body in the playoffs, the excitement, I think that would be the way to go. That's my opinion. Well, you know what? That would be a heck of a format, all right. That would be awesome. I maybe have to bring that up at my commissioner's meetings. Yeah. But you got to know a guy like Barney Shinkarak, he'd be fading out probably after the first over. Oh, my God. He wouldn't even make it out of the dressing room. If he had free beer in there, (laughs) he's going to sit back there and drink the beer for sure. Hey, uh, thanks for your time. So uh, before we let you go, what's on tap this week in the league? You're going up, you said, uh, Flynn Flon and Melfort. Yeah, that's going to be a a good good weekend of hockey there. We've had a couple games. Like tonight we had a game postponed because of flu, and then we had a game tomorrow postponed because of flu. The flu leg is going through the SGHL, and – it's a, not a matter of if, it's when. So uh, Kindersley is on a bit of a road trip that's important for them. Right now they're sitting in the eighth place or 12th place, and they got a bunch of games on hand. they got a windows. If they can make some noise against uh, Yorkton and Melville and Yorkton, I think they'll be in a good spot to take a shot in the playoffs. You know what? I, 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 get your com- I get you got it's a different world, but it makes me sad. Like There would have been no Michael Jordan flu game anymore. He wouldn't be able to have the flu game because <laughs> we'd cancel the damn thing. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, but you know what? When they can't field a team and you don't have enough AP, sometimes you have no other decisions. Yeah. Not my, not my preference, but we're in a, probably a different world now than we were probably 25 years so, ago. So how does that screw up the schedule then? Does that mess everything up? Well, you know what? Uh, we got a bit of a cushion. We built a cushion. We got a large, large break at Christmas, so we can throw some games in before Christmas time. We also have a cushion right at the end of March uh, because we have about two weeks before our playoffs get going, so... We have some room to accommodate it, but as you know, this is Saskatchewan, and we're probably going to have some weather cancellations. Knock on wood, we don't, but but we got some room for them right now. But if we uh, keep having a you know a, a pandemic, if you will, of a flu or. Mm. Or respiratory illness, you might be in some trouble. Well, let's hope not. Uh, enjoy the rest of uh, the week and uh, enjoy that uh, matchup, Melford and Flynn Flynn. Thanks for your time, Kyle. 
Thank you very much, Michael. Take care. That's Kyle McIntyre, Commissioner of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. When we come back, we're going to go Cougars in the cage and uh, wrap up with a little quick uh, World Cup recap. This is the Sports Cage on 620. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. All right, here with Jay Belmore of the U of R Cougars, Cougars in the Cage. Uh, first off, no basketball last week, Jade. So did you take in the Grey Cup festivities? And if so, what did you think? I absolutely did, and it was it was awesome. It was a good a good event to kind of take a break from basketball and enjoy some festivities and watch a great game. Now, uh, a nice break from basketball? Every once in a while you need to reset, get your mind away from the court, right? Absolutely, yeah. It was a very much needed break, and I think everybody used it to their to their full potential and get get rested. How nice is it the last time you were on the court to beat your uh, arch rivals from up north, the U of S Huskies, as you guys torched them one hundred eight ninety five and eighty five fifty four. Those are real uh, real message senders, so to speak. It was. It was uh, probably one of the best feelings, actually, because we've been kind of looking forward to to that weekend, and we had our mindset on that weekend, um, and uh, we got the job done just through hard work, so it was a very good feeling. Let's talk about Friday's game, okay? You tied a career high with 28 points, 8 boards, 5 assists. Let's talk about that big 108-95 win. What was working for you personally in that game? There was a lot of threes being hit that game. <laughs> Maybe maybe too many. We did set a, a a program record for that game, but it was it was a very unexpected maybe game for all of us. Um, and yeah, no, there's a lot of there's a lot of threes being hit. So I would say that was probably the number one thing. Yeah. So like, do you know when you're feeling it? Like, is, is there a kind of a feeling you get? Listen, when I played basketball, I was known as air ball, and it's not because I could fly through the air. Okay, I either got in when we were getting blown out or when we were blowing somebody out. That's how I knew I was destined for football. So. Like, I, I can't be in your sneakers, okay? So you're shooting. Do you, do you just have that feeling where you know it's going to be a good night? There is a, there is a feeling right from the start of the game. I think it starts right at the, right at the warm-up mark, and I think our, our whole team was actually feeling that um, throughout the whole game, which usually doesn't happen, but it was clearly a positive for us. Yeah, okay. And then you got the rare feat of the triple-double the next night, 23 points, 10 boards, 10 assists. Did you enjoy that performance better than the Friday performance? Can you rank them? I don't think I can rank them, but it was definitely a it was a good feeling. But I think I kind of can I give that to to my teammates because that's you know it's it's a tough stat to get, and not a lot of people get them, obviously. But um, I do credit my teammates a lot for that and to help me get that mark because again, you know, not a lot of people get that. Okay, what do you like better? Because you had five steals over those two games, three blocks. What do you like better? Do you like the steals or the blocks? Ooh, that's a tough question. I would have to say the steals. The steals are a, 
they kind of, they get me going and they, they just kind of, there's an adrenaline rush there when I, when I get those. Can you, how do you work? Like I know as a receiver, when I taught my kid to be a receiver, I must've been a bad coach because now he's a defensive back. But when I taught him to be a receiver, you throw tennis balls against the garage or whatever, you know, quick hands, that type of thing. How do you practice? Is there a way you can practice to be a good stealer in basketball? You know, I think it's all, you just kind of have to anticipate. There's no right or wrong way, uh, to do it and to practice it. So I think you just gotta, it's just an anticipation thing mm-hmm. and you gotta, you gotta feel it in the moment. Yeah. So the rankings are out again. You guys are number one in the country. Do you, do you look at that much? Is it talked about in the locker room or just a nice feather early on in the season? It, it, it's talked about. I think it's obviously now that we realize that there's a huge target on our back, but I think the team's kind of taking that and, um, that's more of, it's more of a motivation than anything to kind of keep keep our team going and realize that we have a lot more work to be to be done and um, yeah use it more as a motivation thing obviously it's a great thing to have and everybody wants to be that number one team but um, we kind of have to prove that as well is it a surprising start or this is kind of how you thought you'd start in terms of the team I think it is a surprise. You know, I don't think everybody realizes that they're going to be ranked number one in the country right off the get-go, especially with such a young team that we have still. So I think it was unexpected, but I don't think it's off the margins at all. I think we're kind of, we're on track where we should be, but again, we have to, we have to kind of keep that going. Okay. And you've got Manitoba in here this weekend at the big gym over there at the U of R. What do you know about the Bisons? We know that they are very fast-paced and they like to play their transition game. So um, we're just kind of preparing how we usually do and kind of relying on what we worked on throughout the whole year uh, because clearly it's been working. So I think we just kind of have to keep, keep our foundations and just play some basketball. Well, this excellent player, Jade Belmore, U Sports Women's Basketball Player of the Week. Good luck against the Bisons. Uh, take care. Nice talking to you. Thank you. Thanks to Jay. Thanks to all our guests. If you missed any of this show, we'll have the podcast up a little later on. Thanks to my uh, producer, Nick Katchmar, for sitting in for the next couple of days. I'll be joined tomorrow by Blaine Weiland from our sports department as he'll sit in the chair. Across from me, uh, Saudi Arabia produced one of the biggest upsets in World Cup history, beating Lionel Messi's Argentina 2-1 in a Group C matchup. Many had expected the South American team ranked third in the world, unbeaten for three years, and among the favorites to win the tournament to sweep aside the Saudis who ranked 48 places below it in the world rankings. There was also more good news for Saudi fans who believe in a touch of destiny. The last three teams to beat the Argentinians at the World Cup either went on to win the competition Germany and France in 2014 and 2018 respectively or reached the final Croatia in 2018. Uh, Also, the Saudis got a national holiday because of that. That is out. Can you imagine what's going to happen if the Leafs ever win the Stanley Cup? Probably get a whole week off in this country. I hate the Leafs. Argentina hopes to recover against Mexico in its next group matchup on Saturday. Saudi faces Poland. Mexico and Poland played to a scoreless tie. Tunisia and Denmark played to a scoreless tie. France beat Australia 4 to 1. Canada plays Belgium tomorrow. It's a uh, 1 p.m. Is that what they say? 1 p.m. kickoff our time. You can watch it on TSN, obviously. So, uh, yeah, time now for the, as I wrap the show up, for the audio recap of the World Cup. We will talk to you tomorrow on the Sports Cage.
We're back at the World Cup where the action is non-stop. About three minutes ago, it looked like Italy would score, but then absolutely nothing happened. Wait, something is happening now. No, I was wrong. Still nothing is happening. Okay, here's a penalty kick. Four grown men standing in a line with their hands over their genitals. This is unbelievable action. There's the kick, and oh my! Nothing happens. The boredom is building to a fever pitch. People in the stands have begun to choke each other out of mercy. It's pandemonium in the stadium, except for on the field where nothing continues to happen. We'll report back later with more scintillating World Cup action. If I don't kill myself first. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.